The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at wrestlingwithjonas.com. So this is an unscheduled uh, but awesome, hopefully, episode of Work the Left Side. I am joined again because we had such good fun last week. I've got Mr. Ryan Palmer and Mr. Mick Connolly. Hello. Uh, back. Gentlemen, how are we? Good, good, good. Even at this short notice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sorry about that. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, I just thought, you know, I'd rather... I just like our little chats, really. So, you know, I'll do I'll do the interview another day. And I'll just sit and talk bollocks with you for an hour. Nice. So, and hopefully people enjoy it. You know, that's the general. That's can't, the, that's be a, the can't be a bit of bollocks chatting. I'll be a bit <laughs> of bollocks. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so we are doing, it's not a spotlight episode. It's just an appreciation episode. Um, my mindset as well is more with, obviously, Dark Side of the Rings coming back. And <clears> episode <throat> of Series 3 is Mr. Brian Pillman. Uh, which obviously then got me thinking just about the awesomeness that was Flying Brian. So um, I thought, you know, there's two other guys that would appreciate as much. These are my two boys, and they will also sit here and just say really awesome things about Brian Pillman, which is the, the purpose of this episode. So Ryan is doing an appreciation episode, but it's not the Miz, so it's okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll never ever do that fucking <laughs> I'll sign up for that I love the Miz so. <laughs> he, was the MV- he was the Mania MVP for night one him and Bad Bunny done Bad Mountain <laughs> <laughs> in fairness uh, man I'm not a Miz fan but I'll give I'll, I'll take my hat to him I'll give him props for that I'm, the yeah, pair of them that. carried it but never mind yeah. That's another chat, another time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get Mick on to do the misappreciation. We'll just sit back and laugh. Uh, so, yeah, Brian Pillman. Uh, generally, uh, I'll cover the basics, obviously. Uh, started off in Stampede, um, hence his connection to the Hart family, which is why he uh... was part of the Hart Foundation. Um, the dude had a shitty life on pretty much on the uh, he had throat cancer at three, he had to fight him through and survive throat cancer at three, um, hence the sort of trademark. Um, and then yeah, went on to bigger and better things. Um, obviously, man, I mean, I think all of us watched WCW back in the day, early doors, early morning. Um, I vaguely remember. Uh, at the time, seeing them, I've obviously gone back and watched it since. But Hollywood Blondes, oh, yeah, yeah, Austin and Pillman, man, those two guys back in the early nineties. Uh, very forgot, very often overlooked. I don't think they're generally mentioned, you know, when people are talking about all-time great tag teams. Uh, but uh, it was only a short run. But I think yeah, they're definitely awesome. I don't know, obviously, you two have seen it. Obviously, you will remember them. But thoughts on the uh, Hollywood Blondes? Uh, for me, they were a very fluid tag team. They were they had good chemistry. They they were mates. You could tell that one knew the other one inside out. Uh, they must have been like good buddies 
outside of the ring uh, as well as inside, obviously inside of the ring. Um, they were the kind of guys that would finish each other's sentences, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, there's one particular match that I just watched, Super Bowl three, uh, Hollywood Blondes versus Eric Watts and Buff Bagwell. Um, if if Austin's in the ring, uh, uh, Pilbin would be the person doing the interference, distracting the ref, breaking up uh, pinfalls from the opposite team. And then the opposite would happen if um, Pillman's in the ring, that Austin would run interference, do the distractions, pull the other guy off the ring. Um, it was a, a match is typified by that. The, the, the faces would get the upper hand at some point, but they wouldn't hold it for very long because yeah. they would always be reversed uh, and and just fucked around with by Austin and Pillman. It's, uh, it's a curious <laughs> match as well because... Uh, Eric Watts keeps getting booed every time he's tagged in. <laughs> it's really strange. So I don't know what that's all about. <laughs> they even um, Jesse Ventura's on commentary and said, "Hey, where's Eric Watts? Keep, keep getting booed when he's a, when he gets tagged in." Giovanni's it's probably like, just for being friends with Bagwell. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. Bagwell was over, man. Bagwell was over at one point, though. Marcus Alexander Bagwell. I think when, when it comes was... to Pillman, though, with he. Like sort of tag teams when he was in WCW, he was so unlucky on like two occasions because because I, I remember watching him when I first started watching the late night Tuesday ones, and it was him and the Z Man. Yes, and they were <laughs> they were they they were basically WCW's equivalent of the Rockers, I think, at the time. Yeah, and they they were the, they were such a good team, but they were just surrounded by giant teams all around. Yeah, because he had the likes of Doom, uh, Skyscrapers, Steiner Brothers, all them who were all massive dudes, and they. You, it was never ever believable that they were going to beat them. Beat them, yeah. and then when him and Austin formed the Hollywood Blondes, everyone had disappeared as far as tag teams had went at that point because I think their major feud was with um, Steamboat and Shane Douglas mm-hmm. for the titles. Whereas, like I say, all those teams had gone somehow. So, like I say, the Steiners had gone to WWE. Um, obviously, Undertaker had gone uh, as he, as he is now, so he'd left the skyscrapers. And I just think he was massively unlucky on both occasions because both times, had they been in good divisions, could have been fantastic teams. So, yeah, first time, two, two bigger guys, man. The guys were too big. And then second time around, just a bunch of nobody, so nobody cared about the division. So, like, you say, like, yeah. you say, like you said, Eric Watson, Buff Bagwell, and Steamboat and Douglas, it just looked like they were chucking people together who they had nothing to do with. So I think I remember one match. Uh, and I think it was in a cage match, and for some reason they were trying to hide the fact that it was Steamboat and Douglas, despite the fact it was obvious they had masks on and everything like that. Conquistadors! <laughs> and it was just, but it was just weird because, like I say, they were so, such a good team. And I don't even think he actually lost the belts. I think he got injured when they lost the titles. Um, and I think it was Regal who substituted for him. And so it was Regal and Austin who lost. I mean, Regal and Austin are the team. Imagine that as well. <laughs> Yeah, well, they're, they're good mates as well. But I remember, like, sort of reading, I think it was Austin's autobiography when this going on about the Hollywood Blondes. And it's like both of those guys were kind of going for the US title at the time, or they were both kind of just coming out of these singles runs. Uh, and then next minute, Brian comes up to him and says, oh, uh, we need to think of a tag team name. And Austin's like, why? He's like, oh, yeah, we're a tag team now. And he's like, for fuck's sake. <laughs> and it was just kind of like, you know, the both guys wanted these single runs. And the office were just like, nah, so I don't want to make you a tag team. And uh, obviously it worked out all right. And uh, yeah, it led to awesome chemistry down the line as well. 
you know, like four or five years later, uh, when you've got, uh, he's got a gun and Austin's <laughs> breaking into Pillman's house and the numerous promos that you had with Austin and Pillman in WWE at the time. Uh, so those guys obviously knew each other well and they just had an amazing chemistry. Um, but we'll get to that bit down down the line. Uh, the obviously Hollywood Blondes, yeah, awesome. Like you said, man, they just know each other inside and out. Um, and then I think he kind of feuded with the Horsemen. So this is like the level Pillman was at, man. You know, he was interacting with the big boys. Um, so he's feuding with the Horsemen and then eventually joined the Horsemen. Uh, so, yeah, that, that speaks volumes. You know, they don't let just anybody, except for Mongo, uh, near the Horsemen, surely. Yeah, I think I think when he joined the Horsemen, I think he was was it. Uh, I think they'd been attacking Sting and Flair or something. It was him and Arn, and it was. I remember what it's one of the most famous turns I remember when it was Sting and Ric Flair against Arn and Pillman, and then Sting's getting battered for ages. Flair comes out injured because he'd been beaten up. Sting tags him in, and then Flair just turns around and just absolutely hammers Sting, and the three of them just start. And that's where the the Horsemen were reborn and everything. Yeah, that's it. So that's it. You had Arn Pillman and uh, Flair, obviously, as the re- as the rebirth of of the of the Horsemen. So again, it's just these little moments where you just think you've got to be at a certain level to be even involved in this shit. Yeah. So obviously, the guy was was awesome, um, and miles ahead of his time as well. I reckon. So well, he, was could... the, he was the first ever match on Nitro, wasn't he? As well. Yeah, against Liger. Like in Thunder Lager, Justin Thunder Liger, the first yeah. ever Nitro match. In the middle of a shopping mall, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was, wasn't it? It was, yeah, in the Mall of, mall of America. So that was the night Luger returned, I think, from WWF. Yes. <laughs> that, that shirt, that white shirt. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is bizarre, because he's had a lot of matches with Liger before that as well. In Japan, wasn't it, as well? In Japan, in WCW, yeah. for the light heavyweight championship. Um, some like... I'm sure there's one that's like a four-star, four-five-star match. Uh, I think actually I, one of them I did watch as well, Super Bowl 92. Um, it's just back and forth, back and forth. There's no let-up. There is like maybe a five-minute spot where they've discomposed themselves. Um, he's got Liger in a headlock. Um and that's it. That's the, the well. Actually, there's another spot where um, Liger's got Pillman in a figure four leg lock. Um, he's got him in there for ages. They break the hold, and then from that point onwards, Masha steps up a gear. It's like at that point, that's a rest hold. That must have been the, the that must have been the recharging spot because um, they just recharge, and then they just. That must have pissed Flair off something rotten when his finish has been used as a rest hold. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. You must be watching that thinking, you pair of bastards. <laughs> yeah. They're hitting double drop kicks to each other. Um, Pillman is hitting a drop kick off the top rope to um, to Liger. Liger's countering that with a drop kick of his own. There's out the ring spots where the same thing happens. So Pillman's on the top rope. Um, he's coming down with a drop kick towards uh, Liger on the floor. Liger hits a fucking drop kick in it, and they're all both on the floor. So it's like the mirror images of each other, um, matching each other for speed, for moves, all sorts. This is one of the, the best matches I've ever seen for that particular title. It's, it's, I would say it's kind of like the um, 
the WrestleMania three match oh, for the Intercontinental oh. title. Yeah, oh. it's it's close to that good. Oh, um, it's 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 really 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 good. That wouldn't look out of place now, would it? No, that's what I mean. That, no. that, that speaks volumes. You could throw that on an episode of Dynamite or you know an NXT or something, and it, it would fit right perfectly in. And it just wouldn't look like a, an, an old style or anything. It would just work. Mm-hmm. Uh, the um, you two guys have seen ECW promo. I take it. You just yeah, actually, I have heard of it. I haven't seen. Oh, it. Seen it. Oh. I've never seen it. Oh, it's amazing, <laughs> dude. Yeah, it's just unreal. He's just in the ring for like a good five ten minutes. He's just um, anger personified. It's just, and it's the first time as well because. It was what I want to say 96, 95, 96, 96, 96. Yeah, uh, obviously, the internet wasn't really a thing then, but you had obviously yeah. the smart fans trading tapes and stuff, they were the, the, the marks at the time, or what they would call uh marks. Uh, yeah, and Pilm is just ripping them, just going on about smarks, and it just goes on for ages. And like, people are looking just like, what the hell does that mean? You know, it's like the first time we've ever heard it on a pay per view or coming from a wrestler's mouth, you know, like insulting the fans, calling them marks and stuff, or smart fans, so smarks, and he just rips them to shit, uh, and he rips uh, Bischoff to shit. Yeah, um, Bischoff and, jack off, isn't he? Yeah, that's <laughs> it. And then, yeah, uh, Joey Styles is trying to maintain some sort of order, and Joey's just beat Joey, and he's just, oh my God, oh my God, and like Shane Douglas comes out, Paul Heyman comes out, um, and yeah, man, Pillman's just like, I oh, will take out my Johnson and I will piss in this thing. Just to show you all what I think of you kind of thing. It's like, Jesus, wept. Uh, the dude's also, there's a plant in the crowd who gets attacked by Pillman as they're dragging him out kind of thing. He busts yeah. loose to stop. Stab, stab, stabs him in the head with a fork and stuff. Yep, that's it. Yeah, it's a proper plant where he's stabbing him in the head with a fork. Yeah. <laughs> At the time, he was obviously... It was, it was that borderline timeline between like where cave faves still existed and as I say, you know, smart fans. And it was just, yeah, just the, the intensity of it. It's like nothing I've ever seen in a promo. Uh, it's one of the times that I was just like, yeah, okay, this is why Pullman's, you know, in my top 10 kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, if you get a chance, Brian, this promo is just but awesome. since then, since then as well, Bischoff's gone on, gone on record, and he's trying to clear, like, sort of say, <laughs> say, all, like, all, all the all the glory for it, saying it was all his idea. He yes. told him, he told him to go away uh, and stuff like that. I've heard uh, about because this. The, re- the reason he left WCW was I think he was supposed to pin Hogan when it was that there was that cage match where it was against the world, um, the world against Tolkamania, and it was a cage match. Where it was Hogan against the Horseman and the Dungeon of Doom. And I think Pillman was supposed to pin Hogan. And Hogan being Hogan said no. Doesn't work for me, brother. <laughs> yeah. So, so basically he didn't he didn't turn up because and then I think he had an I quit match with Kevin Sullivan. And I he started he started, Yeah, he was calling him Booker Man. And basically the match didn't even start. He's just like, I respect you, Booker Man, I quit and walked out the ring. There was nothing in the match. Oh well, <laughs> no. he he charged him. Punched a shit out of him for about five minutes and then just stormed over to the ref, grabbed the microphone, and said, Yeah, I respect you, book man. It was the no equivalent of like a, a quick match on it. You it was, like the, it was again the, the first time I think it was Blade. So this was before WWF were like sort of saying Vince McMahon owned it and stuff. There was no, never oh, yeah, been yeah. mentions of bookers on TV or anything. And I think that was the, I think it was pretty much the first time that had happened as well. Yeah. So, um, so wasn't this like um, he was trying to get out of his contract? So um, Bishop was like, "Okay, then what we'll do, we'll we'll 
will work everyone to see if to see uh, to like blur the lines, as you say. And uh, Luger, Luger, uh, Perlman was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm going to double cross you." <laughs> so he played. He played. Yeah, he, he's played Bischoff yeah. uh, to release him. Uh, he's gone to ECW, and when he's gone to ECW, he was supposed to go back to WCW. But he's just said the bishop, no, fuck off. <laughs> <I'm> off. Yeah. <laughs> so he's got the ECW, then he's got the WWF after that. But yeah, Bischoff's gone on record. So it's saying like Pillman used to call him like every week, even when he was in WWE, sort of saying, yeah, I'm coming back, I'm coming back, you know. And Bischoff's just like, I don't know if he was just taking the piss out of me or if it was genuine, <laughs> if that was the, you know, the long-term goal. I think he claims that he, he was going to let him get his name out there more so they could use him more in a main yeah. event type scenario. Yeah. Uh, so that he was worth the money that he wanted and everything like that. And yeah, it's all, all that garbage. <laughs> went to him and sort of said, Look, we need to make this look genuine. You need to physically release me from my contract. So, like, you know, if anyone, any lawyers get involved or anything like that, I am officially a free agent. So they'd be like, oh, Okay, yeah, we'll do that. And then it's like, Right, sorted. See you later. I'm off. He never wrestled in ACW, did he? No, never he, had a match. Just... Appearances, but no yeah. actual uh, matches. So, um, and I then don't guarantee. To... Match, but it's very much like that persona where often turned up, cut some amazing promos, and then moved on, kind of thing. And so, then the guaranteed money started calling. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Somebody mentioned I saw that in the comments where like he was the first Se- person. Second. It's after Miro in it. Second. Miro was the first. He yeah, was the yeah. second. It was the second to get like some big money deal. And yeah, uh, yeah man, as soon as Pullman turned up. Um, yeah, oh, the car well, crash, though, didn't he? <laughs> it did, uh, 15th of April, 96. So it's pretty much nearly been, it was the anniversary a couple of years, uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, yeah, he just, like, smashed in. Uh, he fell asleep at the reel, apparently, is one of the reports. Uh, and, yeah, just... Just smashed his entire lower leg, wasn't it? Yeah, it gets fused back in, like, into place and stuff. Um, you guys seen that? I just thought, actually, just rewind a little bit. Um, you seen that spot where he actually makes Bobby the Brain Heenan say fuck on live paper? Yeah. Video? What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Grabbing him by the collar. Yeah. All over. It was just like, what the fuck are you doing? It was like, yeah. and that was obviously the start of the loose cannon character wallet where he would just come out and do whatever the hell he wanted to do kind of thing. Uh, and yeah, I just, yeah, I just wanted to bring it up because that's like one of those moments in, in history kind of thing where he's like, oh, he made Bobby Heenan swear. Yeah. Um, but yeah, obviously then he went to the WWE um, and when he first came into it, I remember he was cutting promos with like, obviously he went straight in really to like the Owen Hart, Bret Hart, Steve Austin sort of storyline. Yeah. And he sort of looked like he was sided with Austin at first and then kind of turned over. Um, and then it just led to some just chemistry ring. And then like I sort of said, you've got that massive, uh, Pillman's got a gun. When Austin yeah, yeah. turns up at Pillman's house. Uh, trying to break into his house, and Austin Pullman sat there with his gun. Um, so didn't that didn't have didn't have him as a commentator for a while on Shotgun Saturday yes. or something like that? Yeah, they were like, sort of the first the first I think six months of his contract, so that he was doing something while they were paying him. He was a commentator on that. It was him and Sonny and somebody else. Wow. <laughs> One of the commentators, right? Because I can remember on pay per views they had those two backstage, like cutting little uh, promos and videos, yeah. and so like you know. Other shows or magazines or you know the, the phone line or the hotline at the time. Mm. So yeah, yeah, they had him on that. But the uh, the the Pullman's got a gun. It's got to go down as one of the most controversial, fucked up moments in Raw history. Surely it's never going to be matched. There's never there's never going to be a moment like that. I don't think on wrestling TV. 
They tried never it. say something. They tried it with um, Triple H and Orton. Triple H, Triple H threw him through the living room window. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They tried it. It was like, uh, I've seen this before. Yeah, come on. But the we best thing the about the Pillman's got the best thing that for the Pillman's got a gun thing was the fighting outside where his two mates were there trying to keep Austin. And Austin's holding them under their water in a kiddie pool, hitting them with yeah. a hitting them with a little red truck and <laughs> brilliant. Smashing the bit smashing the geezer's head with uh in yeah. the, the car door as well. Yeah. Oh, God. Just like no, it, looked, it looked it looked brutal, but it also just looked terrible. Yeah. <laughs> the fight it was scene. a combination of both, like you sort of say, man, it just looked like just a car crash television. It looked brutal at times, but then you were just kind of like smiling to yourself as well, like what the fuck what is this? Um but yeah, apparently they had to go on TV. Um apologize the following war uh, and yeah kind of apologize for it and it was like oops sorry we had it gone on national tv um, yeah the, the auto triple h thing i totally forgot about it's kind of like you order Corbin and austin from wish <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and then the, the the match they had started with a lockup it's like oh shit <laughs> Come on. Because didn't they do the thing with his ankle sort of when he first signed to try and hide the fact that he was injured? Didn't they do the thing with Austin with a chair in his ankle? Yeah, and yeah, stuff oh, or... yeah. Pilmanizing. That's where it comes from. Yeah. Yeah. He got his ankle pilmanized on the superstars or something. He snapped, beat the shit out of Pilman, put his ankle in a chair, in chair. jumped up to him, stamped on it, and that was him. So that was him fucked. I, mean, it is, it, I don't think he could move his, his ankle properly um, after the crash. So I don't know how his, um, his, his in-ring career would have actually fared after that. Well, the, sort of the, the matches that you saw that he did have, kind of thing. So he had a bit of a feud with Goldust. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, could have, I remember one with Goldust. And I'm yeah, sure it was some sort of stupid stipulation, was it, with the dress or something? Yeah, to wear the dress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dress or something. God. Yeah. But yeah, there we go back to normal. you know, it's very ground based. Um, because that's one of the things that they're sort of saying is he was getting seriously depressed that he couldn't do you know half of the stuff that he could do in the ring. You know, like before his injury, he just had to change his style up so, so um, drastically that it was like, yeah, you know, he's no longer flying Brian, the dude's pretty much you know grounded. Uh, because apparently his, his ankle was fused, he couldn't actually mm. move his ankle, you know, due to the operation, he had to like fuse it in one place. Sounds lovely. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, man. It's just like, Jesus. Um, it sounds horrific. It's just like, I can't even imagine. Apparently, yeah, just like, you know, like metal and spikes and stuff sticking out of his leg, you know, whilst it was healing and things, stuff like that. I was like, oh, no, no, no. Um, obviously, he was part of, uh, I think all three of us have this down as a favourite moment, the Canadian Stampede. Yeah. Yep, it was part <laughs> of that main event. It's uh, such an underrated pay-per-view. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, I've not watched it until recently, until I did that sort of WWE journey like through the 90s. Yeah. And I watched it, and I think I'm, I, I messaged Palmer straight after. So I was like, oh, my God, this is like, you know, this intensity, just yeah. fucking... This is like the closest WWE have ever got to something ECW. Yeah, That's not ECW kind of thing. Just the vibe. You know, oh, yeah, that's it, they, they, they crowded that frigging hype for it. They shake the frigging hard cam. You just so the old, the old in your houses so though for me had a big feel of takeover. How they were yeah. back then, a lot of them because yeah. there were two hour shows. There was 
there was only five matches on the card normally and stuff. They had a bit of a takeover feel. And so they had that bit more liberty where they could do a bit more with them and everything. Yeah, so, so I, there, was a, there was a couple of in your houses, which were really, I mean, there's some awful ones, don't get me wrong. But <laughs> <laughs> there is a couple of them, which, uh, <clears throat> which yeah, were, had that feel to them. And, like that, that's definitely one of those ones I'd say has got a massive takeover feel to it. Because everyone oh. just seemed to deliver on that card. Yeah, not just in, not... obviously, the main event. <laughs> It wouldn't look at again. It's like something you'd say, like you can you could just imagine that sort of happening now, man. The audience would just be. I'm kind of hoping that's like when we when we're able to get like you know full arenas or full things back in again. You know, everybody's just that amped to go see the first show that you kind of just get that electricity. Yeah. You know, just the, the, the everything shaking just through sheer excitement kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, that's just um, Canadian Stampede Man was awesome. And like I said, it was just the intensity of it all. Um, hard cam was shaking. The fans were going nuts. They was going into the crowd, uh, which wasn't commonplace at the time. And you just had Pillman as like, Pillman and Austin just played both sides as like the antagonists. Both of those guys were just winding each other up. It's like tenfold. They were just so good at what they were doing. So the, any Pillman moments, I've kind of just gone through what I would class as my favourite sort of Pillman moments. Anything that springs to mind to you guys? King of the Ring 96, where uh, I think it's his debut. It, all it is is a promo, but it's one of the most scathing promos I've, I've heard for that time period. Um, he's, he's coming down the ring with, uh, with on crutches. Um, he's in Milwaukee. I think they're in Milwaukee because he, um, he mentions uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. So he's... he's <laughs> As you do. It's like, no wonder Jeffrey Dahmer wanted to consume the state from head to toe. And people are just like, boo. Vince, Vince McMahon's just like, oh, well, sorry, I apologise for that. She calls JR a fat son of a bitch. And JR's just like, boo. And then boo and again. And, J- and Vince McMahon again apologises. We apologise for, for Brian Pillman. He's a bit of a, a loose character here. I don't care about my own family. I don't care about the filth in this state, the people. Um, and they're just booing it. He's jaw-jacking with the crowd. The crowd are giving it back to him. He's all like, nah. um, And as I say, it's just one mental promo. Afterwards, um, he says, like, I'm going to rape, pillage, and plunder the entire federation. It's just his eyes are all just like really just uh, wide, his hair shagging, his unshaven and stuff. Um, and it's the, the last match of the um, the King of the Ring tournament. So as he's leaving, Steve Austin's coming down the aisle. So they cross and <laughs> yeah. they have a look at each other like a nod. Austin's just like, yeah, whatever. Goes to the ring. <laughs> it's like, ooh, foreshadowing. Yeah, uh, I remember that popping huge when I saw it. I was like, oh, it's the Hollywood Glance. Yeah, <sighs> and uh, yeah, that promo, that promo was awesome, man. But it's it's reminiscent of the ECW. I think that's the ECW was the practice run. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, just comes out and does it. Michael, Mick. Oh, cheers, mate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as I say, it was the one that I remember quite a bit. Was obviously, like I say, I'm pretty sure it was a cage match. That one. The one, as I say, where if you think, look at the four dudes who are in the ring, they, they, they're not tag team wrestlers, yet they put on just an absolute clinic where it's obviously him, Austin, 
Steamboat and Douglas. And just the four of them just put on such a match. And I mean, the commentators are doing nothing at all to sell it during the thing. They basically they call them the masked wrestlers, Steamboat and Douglas. <laughs> it's like, well, hold on, come on, surely it's got to be believable. There must be a reason why they're wearing them, and you're doing absolutely nothing to sell. But there's just four of them just absolutely batter the hell out of each other, just in this cage match. It's absolutely brutal. But like you say, you've got four of the best in the ring. It's like, yeah, they, they they're gonna they're gonna deliver. Or oh, three of the best, and Douglas. I always thought Shane Douglas was good. I've, I've always been a big fan of him. I don't know. I've just, yeah, I've, I've always been torn about Douglas. It might be a, a conversation. <laughs> yeah, like, you can't take away what the guy did for ECW. But yeah, I just, I don't think there's ever been anything. His bitterness has kind of turned me against him, I think. You've got to love his hatred for Flair. He, yeah. he never held back with regards to his opinions on Ric Flair and stuff. It's like sort of he he always told it was as it was and stuff. Yeah, but it was yeah, his take on it. yeah. But no, I yeah, mean, as I say, I remember as I say as well as a kid when I first got into wrestling. They like him and the Z Man. They were like my and my best mate at the time growing up. They were like our favorite tag team and everything. I mean, so much so we made forties a couple of weeks ago. So I actually had a, a cushion made with Flying Brian and the Z Man on the cushion for him. <laughs> Nice. For his fortieth, for his fortieth birthday, just because like sort of he'd done one a similar thing for me, but because we just remember all the time just how much we absolutely loved them, despite his awful Cincinnati Bengals tights and stuff. Uh, the, the, tiger, <laughs> the, yes. the tiger, the tiger, the tiger Cincinnati Bengals yeah. ones, because that's how he ended up in Calgary, because he was in the Canadian. He, he went from the Bengals to the Bills, and then he went up to Calgary to play in the Canadian League. And his career ended there, and that's how he met the Hearts and stuff, and got the start his career up there. Yes, yeah. What did you The Bengal tight star. I remember um, Pillman Junior. on Twitter about them a few weeks ago. About how he's wanting to rock him out. Apparently, he's got his own pair. Yeah, a very like a tribute pair. Yeah. Uh, and somebody's mentioned like, why don't you just wear them on Dynamite? And it was like one word, Taz. <laughs> I wear nothing orange around Taz. Mm. It's like, oh shit, yeah, okay, fair play. Yeah, yeah, I feel a bit, I feel a bit sorry for his boy because it's a, uh, his boy's got a lot to live up to in fairness. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Brian, he should just wear them. I think, I, I think yeah. Taz would appreciate it. Yeah, he should okay. just wear those sides. Yeah. Just, just start doing the flying Brian gimmick again. <laughs> flying, Bri- flying Brian Junior. He's got the mullet. He's halfway there. Exactly. Yeah, God you know, the mullet. God the the um, curly mullet. It's I awesome. forgot about oh, that. Yeah. That's 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 an epic mullet that is that he, that he rocks. But that was when he first turns heel, wasn't it? Where he, the mullet goes and it's just all the shaggy hair and the facial hair and everything. Yeah. That was where it first started, like sort of changing because obviously at that point he's clean cut with the the curly hair and stuff like you say the mullet. And then the mullet. The good guys had mullets back in the day. Mm-hmm. It it kind of. Each different kind of uh, iteration of him. He's, he's got the mullet during Super Bowl two for the year Super Bowl three when he's with the um, when he's with Austin. It's the shaggy curly hair. Fast forward to ninety five, ninety six. He's all unshaven and shaggy. So he, he knows what he's doing. He knows how to market himself. Um, he knows his image. He knows what kind of image he wants to portray. It's just a, a, a damn shame he didn't um, get to live out where he was going to, what his end goal was. Um, I think the 
obviously his death stopped the the stopped him in his tracks, stopped the loose cannon uh, character in his tracks. If he didn't die, who knows where that would have went, what it would have morphed into. Uh, but you, it's just a shame. Though. If you look at him now, though, he would not look out of place in any federation or company no. as the as their main eventer. Uh, like Absolutely as far not, as today's no. wrestlers go and stuff, he's he's got the perfect look now for yeah. like you say an NXT or an AEW champion. He, you could build the company around somebody like him, but like I say, it's like it's twenty years too soon, unfortunately. There's a few there's a few people who are like that. You would say where they they were just they were the right wrestler for the wrong generation. Yeah, I mean yeah. Owen Hart's another one. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, how how good would Owen Hart have been? <laughs> how many world title reigns would he have had and stuff? It's just. I just think he was like five years ahead of his time, man. If he was still mm. around, Benoit and Guerrero turned up, and Jericho. Oof. That was it, man. That was the rebirth of Owen Hart. That was the resurgence. You know, you get those four guys in a storyline over the over a few years. Yeah, same with Pullman, man. You imagine like when those guys, because obviously uh, it was late nineties, early nineties when guys like Angle, Benoit, you know, when the smaller guys started taking like uh, center stage, you know, they started being like, look, okay, if you can wrestle. You know what? Don't matter what size you are, pal. I know they they kind of <clears throat> the water with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, but they were the only two really at that point that were the small guys. It wasn't really commonplace, was it? I think I think somebody like Pillman could have went really well, even if he couldn't wrestle. Had he been alive when the Radicals come about, as like a mouthpiece for the Radicals and stuff, because the four of them at the time when they come in weren't fantastic on the microphone. I think somebody like him who knew all four of them on the microphone for them would as a mouthpiece would have put them over a lot more I think as a bigger threat to like sort of then as they were portrayed when they first come in yeah. oh it took them a few years did it to build up and yeah Pillman man Pillman could have cemented them on like I don't know Foley tried to they could kind of they got the rubber for Foley didn't they for a few weeks but yeah somebody like Pillman on the mic man those promos he would have cemented them like from, from the ground running and they would have been yeah threat from day one um, even if he wasn't in the ring, like I said, not just being in the mouthpiece, but being like a manager, you know, mm-hmm. just having him at ringside, just being a, a, a cock, you know, just think, basically ankles and stuff. You say somebody like him on the microphone, had he have been like a manager, say, for 10, 15 years, you'd be talking about him along the same lines as I think somebody like him or something like that as a perfect sort of foil, like a manager, a mouthpiece and stuff for somebody <clears> to get them over because he could just talk so much shit yeah. and put them, just put them over. Definitely. Yeah. Well, it's like, right, like you said, Ryan, that promo man he cut in 96. That still stands Scaling. up. Yeah, it still stands up today. You look back at some old promos and you're just like, ooh, that's aged really badly. Uh, but yeah, like the Pullman ones, like I said, the ECW one, that King of the Ring one. Uh, the dude had skills, man. He was so far ahead <laughs> of his time. Uh, imagine, imagine like the promo battle between him and CM Punk. Do you know, oh. like CM Punk's fucking... <laughs> <laughs> his pipe bomb era. Oh, that Jesus. that would have been fucking. That would have been fire. That. That's that's a dream match. For some reason I've never even thought of. But yeah, like just to build up the promos, Pillman versus Punk. The promos oh. alone would have just yeah. been absolutely immense. It would it would have put this like put the arse in the seats, wouldn't it? Basically, that. Oh, that would yeah, <laughs> That would have sold tickets everywhere. Like, they know they could have made money from that all around the world uh, but I think there's so many sort of dream opponents like sort of said because, <coughs> because of he was so ahead of his time 
obviously the dude had amazing matches and you know it was was awesome back then which is why it's still appreciated now but like you just said man like you plonk him in nxt or you plonk him in aew now the dude's having five-star matches against like Kenny Omega, against Moxley, against Finn, against Kyle O'Reilly. The dudes would like work all of them. I think as well with obviously the loose cannon thing as well, just think how fucked up the matches could have been that you could have had with like sort of Moxley and stuff. <laughs> the, the, stu- the stuff I reckon that those two could have come up with together as, as like spots and stuff. I think they could have properly pushed all kinds of boundaries there. Because I think, I think they've got a similar mentality. I think, I think as far as like sort of present day guys go. I think Moxley is probably the closest one to him as far as yeah. like a loose cannon persona goes and everything. I'd probably say he's the closest. Without him like, cutting of, cutting oh, shitty right. promos or uh going off script. Yeah. He's uh, I'd say yeah about the closest you can get would be uh would be Mox. Yeah. Um I think well I did some artwork about five, six years ago where it's like one half was uh, Pillman and one half was Mox, which was like a face mesh. Uh, and that was when uh, Moxley was in the shield or the shield had just split. And, you know, and Moxley was just kind of, it looked basically he'd like he was adapting the loose cannon character when the shield first split. Um, and it's just kind of like, yeah, you, you sort of, he's either channeling a Pillman or, you know, he's, he's paying reference to him a lot with his earlier stuff kind of thing. It's just his body movements and everything in his eyes, his looks. It was just uh, think- point two. I think the shield, the shield version of Moxie was like a di- proper diluted version of him, just completely yeah, watered yeah. down version of Flying Rain. Yeah, but like I say, if you had to associate anyone, it was like yeah, basically again, yeah, I'll make the the Wish joke, but if you order Brian Pillman from Wish, you get you know Moxley. That's like yeah, <laughs> it's not isn't it? It's not an insult. Do you mean Ambrose? Because the, there's a distinction. Oh, Ambrose. Yeah. Sorry, yes, not Moxley. Yeah. Ambrose. Yeah, yeah. If you order Definitely. Brian Pillman from Wish. You <laughs> You got Ambrose. But yeah, if you ordered Moxie from Wish, you get Ambrose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. exactly. um, oh, I, I, oh just, God. There goes that sponsorship deal anyway. <laughs> yeah, just, oh, no cheap Chinese clothes for us. Cheers, Nick. <laughs> oh, we, my bad. I had me own a KFC tracksuit, you bastard. <laughs> oh, I still want some Spider Man hoodies. Uh, that's it. I have to pay full price. Yeah, and not order triple XL when I want a large. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's just the thing. You know, so many guys uh, who are obviously influenced um, by Pillman. You know, like guys like Owen Hart get recognised. Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels. Um, I think there's there's a group of guys from that era who were hugely influential. And I think Pillman's got to be recognised as one of those guys. Yeah. Certainly, definitely. He certainly doesn't get recognized the recognition that he, he should get, I think, or no. the effect the effect that he had on the business. Because I think somebody like him is a big reason why the attitude era was what it was. Because he commit he committed WWF and he, com- he he changed the landscape of it completely, I think. Yeah, the whole loose cannon thing, like you're basically at the time he got himself released. He jumped from WCW to ECW to WWE, and literally he worked everyone, the fans, the, yeah. you know, the, the staff as well. Those people apparently that were just like, I have actually well, no. The, 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 the bosses of the company as well, because let's face yeah. it, he worked Bishop. He yeah. worked the hell out of Bishop, but he probably he worked Heyman as well because he probably went in there saying that he was going to have matches. Mm-hmm. Went in there, cut a couple of promos, and then all of a sudden he's got a guaranteed contract. It's trouble. 
it's okay. just yeah and that was definitely you know again years ahead of its time you know that was breaking down the walls before the walls were broken down by the internet and by smartphones i suppose you could say it was like uh he pushes the envelope and at that time when he was in wwf vince was willing to push the envelope um you could see with the with the gun and he's got a gun and the, the, the promo that he cut so it was like how far was vince willing uh push the envelope with w- pillman i think he would have loved to have pushed it further and further it, it would have been very interesting to see how far that would have actually went yeah yeah but then also you've got to wonder as well how much influence did russo have on that because he did have a big influence around that time as well yeah. so he, yeah, he sure. he's going to have had some sort of an influence on it as much as I dislike the bloke, but he's got to have had he's got to have had some sort of an influence on what was going on the TV and what wasn't. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'd say the, the Coleman's got a gun thing. Would uh, it's got his Hancock all over it kind of thing? I think yeah, Russo would have signed off on a lot of that stuff. But I do think it would have been mainly down to Austin and Coleman, you know, yeah. sort of working together on it and just being comfortable. Um, and just be like, you know, actually showing Pillman's wife on screen, you know, actually showing, you know, just everything as it was to make it look as real as possible. Well, I mean, when it when it actually happened, I actually thought that the cameraman had been shot because the gun goes off, and then it all goes like sort of fairy. So, as you say, as a 15, 16 year old kid who's watching wrestling, I'm just thinking, has he just shot the cameraman? <laughs> because oh, no one, no, no one knows what's going on then at that point. It's just basically just a big like fuzzy screen. Just after a gunshot's got off, I'm just thinking someone's been shot here. <laughs> but that was what it was supposed to do. Yeah, it was there it to shock you and make you think, and make you think, Jesus, there's it's going to a new level now. Well, I remember watching um, the well, not watching, but listening to the Bruce Pritchard something to wrestle with podcast a couple of years ago, uh, and I'm pretty certain they did uh, a Pillman episode or uh, they, they covered this. Uh, storyline or this episode of Raw uh, and it's like Boot Pritchard was the producer on, on set at the time I think if I remember correctly uh, and they had to get all kinds of agreements you know they had to notify the, the local police or the sheriff or you know whoever had control of the, the area to advise them that you know it, we're going to be filming and this dude's going to be attempting to break into this guy's house uh, just in case any of the neighbours saw and found <laughs> the cops and it was just like planning permission just a pain in my ass apparently and then, like, all right, okay, okay. it's like, uh, well, yeah, we've got to have a good on set as well. And they're like, oh, God's sake. right, and it just escalated from there, kind of thing. Apparently, it was just an absolute pain in the arse to do. Um, but yeah, they sort of they, obviously they did it because they knew they were going to get a reaction. Well, I, I mean, like, as, as, as controversial as it was as well, it and as much as WWE hated it, saying how much they had to apologize and stuff like that, they still put it on all the Raw anniversary things and everything, like the Raw <laughs> yeah. anniversary DVD, yeah. the top moments of Raw. <laughs> Pillman's got a gun, it's still on there, and it's it's on there in its entirety as well. <laughs> so, That's... you know, they've they've obviously as as bad as they said it was, they they must still love it and think this helped make us and everything. <laughs> oh god, yeah, man. That had people talking, surely. Because <laughs> at this point they were still losing to WCW, weren't they? Uh they were still uh, I, th- I think it was sort of I think this was just before was it before or after Hall and Nash left? I'm trying to think. This was after. Um, this was like, after. Was it after? Yeah. After, man. This was, this was them trying to carry out to the NWO. Mm, yeah. So this was them trying to get, get edgier because DX yeah. had just started about this time as well. Um, yeah, so this was their 
counter argument to NWO and try to make put out more mature content. That's it. So it's like, <laughs> dude, you've just gone next level. This is like, yeah. there's, there's been edgy. And then there's a dude sat on his sofa with a gun about to shoot one of your super. <laughs> and his eyes when he's pointing the gun as well. He, he, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's such a believable, absolute lunatic yeah. that he would just shoot anybody. Yeah, <laughs> because just, just remember his eyes being absolutely wide open. The thing is, I haven't seen eyes like that since the last prodigy gig. I was it. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, like people like that. Yeah, you got three of his mates trying to hold him down as well afterwards yeah. when they come back. Um, yeah. and he just oh, he's struggling, he's struggling, struggling. He's he's come back, he's come back. And then all three of his mates got to rush Austin, and then just like, yeah, I'm gonna kill him, son of a bitch, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> it's just like, oh shit, it's fucking real. <laughs> he's two pals, but he's two pals on this soaking wet, ripped t-shirt, horrible tracksuit on, and stuff. Absolutely knacker. It's like, oh, we've got to hold him back now, man. <laughs> I don't care if I'm a friend. I disown you. I don't want to be your friend anymore. Oh, it's too much hassle. <laughs> I've been hit with your kid's tricycle for fuck's sake, man. Go on. <laughs> it's going to test any friendship, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. Um, so, if you had to, obviously, you know, just trying to think of the best way to put this. If you, uh, right, you know, you both you guys know I do top fives. I love top fives. I'm not going to say Pillman would be in my top five because I think, you know, there's such an array of talent out there. Uh, but it would definitely be in my top ten. I reckon. Um, about yourself, where would you place him overall for contributions, influence, uh, moments? You know, does he rank in your top ten? Um, is he someone that you think of often? You know, as somebody who who's done a lot, or is he just one of those guys that you think about when somebody mentions him? Like, oh yeah, shit, he's awesome. After seeing what I've seen and remembering um, what I've seen from past and what memories it evokes i'd say top five now yeah um there's a there's a, a match with johnny b bad bizarrely enough <laughs> which is like a four star match which is really 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 good as well there's like a finish and it restarts again for some reason i can't remember why um and at the end the crowd just goes completely mental for the uh for the result um you've got that thunder liger match You've got the, the Billman's got a gun. You've got the ECW thing. You've got the I I I respect you, Booker Man shit. He's he's fucking he's done loads more than you'd actually think when you actually sit down and look at his actual career uh, as a whole. It's, just, it's absolutely mental. So for me, top five. Nice. I mean, for his, for his contributions and everything like that. I'd certainly definitely say he's in top 10 uh, for me. Um, possibly nostalgia-wise, nostalgia I'd possibly place him a bit higher. But that's obviously because of, as I said, eight-year-old me is always in the back of my head a little bit. Going, yeah, but he was sick when, when you were eight-year-old and stuff. But looking at his contribution, and I don't think he's somebody who's talked about as much as he should be. He should be talked about a lot more than he yeah. is as, a, as an influence on people. Because, like you say, he was he was starting to do the like sort of the Daniel Bryan style stuff in Corporal where high flyers were going into the main events constantly, obviously Shawn Michaels and stuff. But I think Pillman had a lot to do with that. As we were saying earlier, I think had he have come along ten years later, 
I think we could have been discussing this and talking about doing a spotlight episode, talking about his matches, talking about his title reigns. But unfortunately, it was just one of those guys who was who's hampered with demons and injuries and stuff. Yeah. And I just think it's it's just a shame when you look at him. For me, he, he's sort of somebody who I would have alongside like a Rick Rude, who is somebody who isn't talked about as much, but really should be talked about a lot more. Because if you go back and look at the body of work that they've done, not just in the ring, but on the microphone and stuff like that, I mean, both dudes were awesome. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Rude's also. I think I'm, I'm kind of toying up. I think Pilman has just made my top five based on some calculations, style of maths in my head. But um, <laughs> it was awesome, but he, he wasn't the trendsetter. He wasn't the, you know, like the whole loose cannon thing. Um, I think I know he turned up in ECW and I, he, he did have a, a little bit of a, is he going there? Is he going there? He did play the system a little bit in sort of, I think it was 97 when he turned up in ECW and then he turned up in WWE as DX. Uh, yeah, Pilman. I, I would rate higher than Rude, uh, just for those kind of moments, just for the involvement in like the Canadian Stampede and stuff like that. Um, but, but did he carry Warrior? <laughs> this is true. This is very, very true. Rude will always be a legend for that. Um, but yeah, I think Pillman is, yeah, I think definitely his top five actually thinks about because Pillman 20 years later, is it Kenny Omega? Yeah, it's 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 people like that. I think you would be talking and being on par with. I yeah. think definitely, if not better than he'd be. They're they're the kind of guys he'd be having matches with. I think, like you say, Moxley, Omega, Styles, Adam Cole, people like that. He'd be having he'd be having your main event matches. I think had he I come around twenty years later. Like going from yeah. New Japan to going to Impact to go. I could see that incorporating like the whole loose cannon character kind of thing you know where what omega is doing at the minute but if he's got a gun if he's got a gun would you put him in the bullet club (laughs) (laughs) jesus maybe sorry i crossed the the line sorry (laughs) (laughs) it's just the bullet club t-shirts but with the the two guns for pillman maybe he started the bullet club maybe that was the uh, the scene (laughs) Uh, yeah to me that's the closest knowledge i could give uh, right, man, you watch AEW and you know all about New Japan and stuff like that. Uh, Pilman would have fit right in uh, oh. alongside Omega, that kind of mold, wouldn't he? Sure, definitely. Uh, no doubt about it. He's definitely in that mold. Um, I think he would have probably he would have been the leader of the Bullet Club. Fucking hell, he's got he's got the chops. He's got yeah. the moves. He's an all rounder. So it was an all-rounder. So yeah, definitely, definitely in New Japan for sure. The the speed, the agility, yeah, no question. Absolutely That's one no thing question. I think I will be going back and watching though, because apparently some of the stuff I haven't seen a lot of the Pillman stuff in Japan, but apparently it's meant to be unbelievable, especially when he's obviously working with the the junior lightweight or whatever they call the the super lightweight or whatever. Super juniors. Uh, okay. Super juniors. Yeah, that's it. Sorry. Uh, he does a lot of work with them in the, I think, in the early nineties. I think I'd have to go back and find some of that stuff to watch because I think that would be amazing. Is that why he fought with uh, Liger so much? Then you think when Liger came over, obviously those two guys knew each other from this time in Japan. That must it have was been, kind yeah. of a mutual. But I think that was when they first toyed with the um, like a cruiserweight. I think it was a light heavyweight title at the time in WCW. 
but it was already it was already around for a short while and didn't come back until the cruiserweight title. Yeah, yeah. And that's why he was having the matches with uh with Liger. I would imagine he had some matches with Ultimo Dragon, things like that. I don't know. I'm guessing now, but they would be the kind of guys I would be thinking he'd be having matches with over there. Yeah, <coughs> oh, I've not even thought about like yeah, Pillman like in the Bullet Club. Here's a match for you though. Um, who wins? Uh, AJ Styles versus Brian Pillman. If you book that match. Fucking hell. The, the fans win. Take the splinters out my ass. <laughs> I, I think I don't think it would you'd have to settle for just one match. I think that would be one of those Ooh. ones where you could play it out over months and months and months. That pro, that that confusion could go on for. Yeah. So and I think it would and I think it would be a case of both of them would be believable as the guy who goes over each time. I don't think anybody would be disappointed if AJ beat uh, Pillman and vice versa. I don't think anybody would be disappointed had Pillman beat AJ or something stuff like that. So, yeah. about you, Ryan? <laughs> I would say. Come oh, on. I'm gonna have to go with uh, with Styles. Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just uh, because he's AJ fucking Styles. That's right. <laughs> But yeah, just, uh, just okay, just okay. Just okay. Who, who survives Moxley Pillman? Oh, <laughs> it's not who wins, it's who survives. Who survives it? Jeez. I think Pillman just about survives that one. <laughs> by, by some measure of fucking DNA being left. <laughs> some, something tells me the ring wouldn't fuck up blown up either. <laughs> I can imagine that just going out with a massive ball of just like <laughs> yeah just, that would just be next level um did pillman do many hardcore matches i don't recall seeing much hardcore stuff though when i was going through his matches or when i've ever watched any of his matches Lose away the dress. <laughs> that's a different kind of hardcore. that's pretty, that's pretty not... hardcore <laughs> <laughs> but i don't recall i've seen him using weapons all that much or you know do the hard hardcore style I, would, I think if you go back, there's probably some of the matches with um, Kevin Sullivan before the I Quit one. I would imagine possibly they probably had some hardcore matches between them. Even it was just cage matches or something. But yeah, so- I, I, again, I'd have to. I, I'm just sort of guessing and sort of that would be the one who I think he would have those kind of matches with. Yeah, because Sullivan was a bit of a fancied himself as a hardcore legend, didn't he? Yeah. Ryan, any recollection? What, of any hardcore matches with? Uh, I don't remember any. I don't think. I don't think the worst doesn't mean to say that there probably isn't, but none spring to mind. I think Kevin Sullivan is a good shout. I think that'll be a good starting point. Uh, but just because he didn't have him though, doesn't mean that he would be awesome enough. Oh, you would have excelled in him. Hundred yeah. percent. Looking at him, you you know for a fact he didn't give a shit about himself. I don't think. <laughs> Yeah, no, he got caught. He's telling well, yeah, you imagine being one of those guys that gets caught up in the moment, adrenaline's flowing, and he's just like, Yeah, just, let's just do it, kind of thing. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, Boxley, you know, he just goes out there and goes, Let's just do whatever we need to do. Um, yeah, I think that would just be, uh, yeah, that'd be a sight to be seen. So, you've got the AJ Styles match for the, the technical prowess. If it was flying Brian against AJ Styles, and then you have like the loose cannon. Pillman against uh, Moxley. That would be the two best 
pair ups, I think. Mm-hmm. Any other uh, dream matches you can think of or scenarios? Hollywood Blondes versus FTR, maybe. Ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Or Hollywood Blondes against Good. the Bucks. Or the Bucks, yeah, I was thinking the Bucks as well. After after Without, saying FTR, I thought, oh, what about the Bucks? Because yeah. they'd have their high flying style, and then Hollywood because Hollywood Blondes was sort of where he started to do the flying a bit less, wasn't it? It was less of the flying flying as more so like sort of just the more mat mattish <coughs> wrestling. I mean you'd still yeah. done things off the road, but you'd still have you'd have the Bucks flying around, and every so often Pillman could hit a move, hit the like sort of the aerial move to sort of counter it and stuff. You'd be like, shit, have I got it could do that? <laughs> and you have the heel, the heelness, like you said earlier, Ryan, of just the blondes just antagonizing, pulling people off, you know, distracting, just being in sync with each other, like regardless of who's in the ring, the other guy is, has constantly got the back. So, yeah, you'd have it. to, yeah, it'd have to be good boy books, you know, goody yeah. goody books versus the blondes. Or the Holly, oh, another one for me, actually, is a, a new team who I can love is Ziggler and Rude. I think for some reason, I think those four would mesh really well. Rudolph, the top dogs, the dirty dogs, the rude dogs, whatever they call them. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't watch TV anymore now. <laughs> I watch. I watch the pay per view now and then, and do the catch up on the phones and stuff now and then. But, but no. Uh, for so, like what I've seen of those two, I do actually really like them. I think they work together because they had nothing going for them, and I think it was similar with Austin and Pillman at the time. Yeah, the- they were two guys who were you know winning titles on their own then they stopped having anything for them and put them together. So I think those two teams, I think, could have a, would be a really good match. It's like a dream match sort of thing for me. Yeah, no, I would agree with that in the sense of, um, obviously, you've got Ziggler and Pillman, who would be the two high flyers. Um, and, you know, just like selling for each other. And Austin at the time was a technical wingspan. You know, Austin was, um, everybody remembers his, like, his, his brawling style, you know, after he broke his neck. But prior to that, man, the guy was a technical uh, wizard. The dude could, you know, he was a ringmaster, for God's sake. Um, so him and Rude could be those two guys. They're both technically sound. Uh, well, the blonde was basically where he'd left the Dangerous Alliance, wasn't it? Yeah. And oh, they yeah. they realised they then had nothing for him after they'd, <laughs> after they'd done that. So. Oh, shit, yeah, Dangerous Alliance. That was with Heyman, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because that's what made me laugh earlier when I was watching that Pillman versus Mark, uh, Mean Mark match as Heyman is Undertaker's manager. In that match, you've got a really young Heyman at ringside just bouncing around for Undertaker. Well, Mean Mark. Still, ho- still hardly any hair on the top, though. Oh, no, no. He had a nice little there, man. He had, he had a nice little bit of, of hair. He, he didn't have the cap to cover it at that point. <laughs> I'm not covering, by the way. Before I, mentioned, uh, caps I am. I am. <laughs> I'm 40. I'm allowed to start losing my hair now. <laughs> you just need to go a ponytail at the back. Fuck that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man, that was, I just kind of wanted to close on some sort of like dream matches and, you know, just thoughts of where Pillman would fit into, you know, the business now. Uh, I think it's clear to say, you know, it'd fit him perfectly. You know, he probably didn't fit in perfectly in his time but he would fit in perfectly now uh he's he's the kind of guy you would build a company around he's like your jericho or your omega you know you would plant him as your your world champ and you'd just let it sort of flow you know down to the to to the guys underneath and they'd all get to work with him and he'd just elevate them all tenfold so 
Definitely. Yeah. I think that's right. I think I can, we can agree on that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, no. So, uh, yeah, quickly done some maths. I've taken Angle out of my top five for Pillman. <laughs> oh, I was hoping you were going to say you've taken Scott Steiner out. <laughs> <laughs> I've done the Steiner math. Now. Steiner's gone. Steiner's gone. Uh, by Steiner math, Steiner's number 250. He's now a bit removed. He's gone from like 50 to 51, thanks to this. Um, but yeah, now Angle's gone. Pillman's in. That's Pillman's now officially in my top five. I think that's just, just this conversation and just um, going through the appreciation again. I think sometimes it's just good, you know, to talk about someone and you look back on some of the stuff um, and you look at the moments and it's like, yeah, man, that guy was fucking awesome. Hopefully it'll encourage people to go back and actually look at some of his body of work who maybe haven't looked at it to go yeah. back and see what we've talked about and they'll just think, fucking hell, those three idiots actually know what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Mike does, Mick does sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I just kind of wing it. <laughs> but, uh, you know. but yeah, that's the point of this episode as well. That's why I didn't want to do a spotlight episode. I wanted to do it as appreciation. So hopefully, you know, when people watch this, they'll be pumped up to watch some film and stuff as well. They'll be like, okay, actually, I like the sound of this guy. Um, if I didn't know um, anything about him beforehand, because looking at the analytics, man, we've got you know people that are watching this are aged between like sixteen to like fifty. You know. I'll declare myself the demo god for one of them. Um, but yeah, you know, there's a 16 year old out there. <laughs> if there's 16 year olds out there who wouldn't know who Pillman is, man, because they were born after, you know, after his time, they watch this. Yeah, man, go on YouTube, go on the network, search Brian Pillman. Uh, it's just awesomeness personified. Watch the, watch the Canadian Stampede. Yeah. <laughs> if you take anything from this, watch that show. <laughs> and watch the Austin home invasion. Because that's got me seen as well. That's has got, got a gun. He's got a gun. So, gentlemen, uh, literally, I, I picked you two for a reason, man. Because I knew you two would just be able to encapsulate and uh, just, you know, heighten um, my enthusiasm for Pillman, which is what this was about. So, uh, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, do you want to do your sign-offs? Do you want to, you know, plug your socials? Pick yourself up? I am on Twitter at Yardis316. Um, follow us on Facebook as well. Uh, that's all I have to plug. Yeah. Uh, so for me, uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. McEagle. Uh, again, follow the guys on, on Facebook and everything. I'll pop up now and then talking absolute shite, and I'm sure you can correct me on a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, if you follow me on Twitter at WorkLeft, uh, I'm probably adding these guys and stuff anyway. So if you don't follow them now, um, just hop onto my page and you'll find them on there. Um, and then, yeah, on Facebook, just search for Work the Left Side. Join the group. Just come chat some shit with us about wrestling. Um, you know, we can talk about whether Bo Dallas is going to start selling houses or you know, whether he's going to turn up as the friend in AEW. The friend. He's got the farm. <laughs> he's, 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 got the, he's got the farm to work, hasn't he? Though him, him and Liv have got the farm to keep going, so he can look after that while he lives on the road. <laughs> oh crap! Yeah, I forgot he's going out with Farm. I don't feel sorry for him anymore. <laughs> I feel sorry that he lost his job. Turn like, up, oh, what, t- turn up on AEW was Bo Houston. <laughs> 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 and, and, and and Fiji Joseph. <laughs> Fiji Joseph. 
But oh. that's it. I, I can't even top that, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, with yeah, with both, I can't even repeat it. But um, just believe. We're out. We're done. Right. See you all later. See you next week. Thank you so much. Cheers, mate.